Robert Crowley has been in practice as a chiropractor for over 10 years. He completed his Bachelor of Science degree in Exercise Science from the University of Illinois in Chicago and then went on to the National University of Health Sciences to complete his Doctorate of Chiropractic. Originally from Chicago, Illinois, Robert practiced in the United States for over five years and has experience working in a multidisciplinary setting alongside physical therapists and medical doctors. He has been practicing in the UK for the past six years, and he is registered with the General Chiropractic Council, is a member of the British Chiropractic Association, and the European Chiropractic Union. He currently works in private practice in Norwich, England, and, in his spare time, is involved with CrossFit, both assisting CrossFit athletes and competing himself. What's up, everybody? My name is John Campioni, and this is the Rock Tape Podcast. I am sitting here with uh, Robert Crowley. Robert Crowley is a chiropractor from the United States, now practicing out in uh, England. I meant to say UK probably would be a little bit more accurate, so you, you let me know. But Robert, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here, especially you know when I'm talking to a lot of our international uh, folks, especially across the pond. Uh, I know there's a big time difference, so I do appreciate your time in the evening for you. Um, no problem. Looking at, you know, some of your, your profiles and the information about you, I, I knew you went to National University where I go and actually now work. Uh, I didn't know you originally yeah. from Chicago. So tell me about, you know, growing yes, up in I Chicago. Am. Where are you from originally? I, well, I, I, I was born in Chicago and uh, raised there. Um, right. I, li I lived, I uh, went to high school and everything in the northwest suburbs in Des Plaines. Um, okay. From, from there, I... Um, uh, I went to UIC undergrad, got my degree in exercise physiology, um, and then from there I went to National. Um, and at National, got my doctor of chiropractic in 2002. So I've been practicing going on about 16 years now, I think, uh, wow. something in that area. Um, and uh, yeah, I practiced about uh, five, six years in the United States or in Chicago. Um, and then in 2008, moved over to uh, uh, the UK and uh, started practicing uh, here. Um, so um, worked in a variety of settings. Uh, I initially practiced in, in a gym, uh, in uh, actually, ironically, uh, a gym. Then I first got my personal training job. I ended up practicing in a chiropractic clinic there. Um, and uh, then from there, I got... Uh, um, I went on and worked for a multidisciplinary clinic in, uh, in Chicago. Um, and there I had quite a bit of experience. Uh, it was a, actually a great experience uh, working within a team with medical doctors, physical therapists, as they're called in the U.S., called physiotherapists here, um, and, and chiropractors. And we got to sit together on uh, all the cases and, and devise a treatment plan. Um, you know, the med medical side of treatment, when necessary, uh, go through imaging, we used imaging quite a bit. United Kingdom, we don't use uh, imaging that often. Um, and uh, but the best part was uh, the collaborating with with the different professionals uh, there. I worked cool. with some really good physical therapists who sort of opened my uh, uh, opened my eyes to the world of fascia. 
um, and uh, got me curious about that and slowly changed how I, how I practiced uh, over the years. Very cool. So when you first got out of school, where in the Chicagoland area did you practice? I practiced in Morton Grove. Um, at the time, it was a Bally's Health Club. I'm not even sure. The, oh, my gosh. Uh, I think the practice is still yeah. train in the Bally. Uh, yeah, so we, we were in one of the largest Bally's in, in Chicago, um, and that was one that I worked at for a number of years as a personal trainer. Uh, and uh, as a personal trainer is where I got exposed to chiropractic. My, one of my first clients was a chiropractor. Oh, wow. Um, and he kept on pushing me to uh, maybe think about going into chiropractic. And then finally, I, uh, I followed that path and um, got my degree, uh, my undergrad degree, and then went to national. Um, after that, started national in oh, it was 99, so about 20 years yeah. ago um, oh, wow. is, is, is when I started. Uh, yeah. Which was time, time flies. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, and then 2008 uh, made the decided to practice in the UK, and it was just sort of a fluke. Um, yeah, I was talking to a colleague, and he said there was a shortage of chiropractors here, and I had never thought about practicing abroad. Uh-huh. And um, my uh, my wife and I uh, one day just decided, you know, let's let's go live abroad, and let's how can we make it happen? And I was uh, dragging my feet a little bit. Um, and then she uh, just uh, set a flight to uh, uh, to London and say we're we're going on holiday next week or vacation as the U.S. calls it. Um, <laughs> and I want you to uh, try to set up an interview somewhere. Uh, and I did, and I ended up working uh, working for them. Um, wow! So I made the jump over in about 2008. So I've been practicing here about 11 years now. So it sounded was it that abrupt? You know, you just you know, thought about that, you and your wife both kind of got on board and then you said, set a time to go visit and then set up an interview. Nothing more than that. Yeah. I mean, we set up the interview. I think the interview is about in summer 2007. Okay. Um, and then it took, there was a process with getting licensed, uh, as yeah, well as uh, immigrate. Okay. Yeah. So, so in the UK at the time, they still have what's called a test of competence. Now it's a written test, but at the time they had a, uh, an OSCE type exam, uh, which was a uh, you know quite challenging uh, in terms of I didn't know exactly how things uh, worked here and what was required. I ended up taking just a little brief one day sort of tutorial on on what to do, um, and then I took the test. and the, the exam was probably one of the most challenging exams I ever took, mainly really? because I was quite jet lagged and had very little sleep. And I walked out of the exam thinking I didn't pass. Um, and then I uh, found out a couple of days later I did. Uh, and then uh, I think it was about six weeks later, I was uh, uh, on a plane, uh, uh, you know, moving to the UK. So that's pretty much how it happens. Wow, that's really cool to see kind of how abruptly it happens, but, you know, how smoothly it kind of uh, goes, goes uh, along there. I, I'm interested to really know, you know, you've been a DC in the United States and in the UK. What are some of the biggest differences that you notice with kind of uh, the mentality of how people perceive chiropractors in each country? And then even just you as a practicing chiropractor, some of the differences that you see as a practitioner. The, the biggest thing, uh, one, is uh, my day is, is, is different in t- terms of 
uh, in the U.S. since it's an insurance based. Um, we, uh, I would spend a lot of time uh, on the phone with the insurance company, writing reports, trying to you know, make sure the claims get paid. So I would spend you know a good two three hours a day on on those types of things. Um, in the UK, it's not uh, there's very little insurance. Um, if there is insurance, uh, the patient pays cash, and then uh, they get. Uh, the patient gets reimbursed by the insurance company. So wow. it's outside the national healthcare system. Um, unfortunately, the national healthcare system, um, musculoskeletal care sometimes takes uh, quite a bit of time. Uh, they will typically go see a physiotherapist. Um, a lot of the NHS physios, it varies uh, depending on the area you're in, but they do very little hands-on treatment. Um, a lot of times it's just a matter of meeting with them uh, getting evaluated and they're given exercises uh, and so on. Uh, so a lot of people seek private care from uh, either chiropractors or osteopaths. Osteopaths are a lot more known here. So I had to uh, um, work a lot harder in explaining to people, you know, what I do. Okay. Um, um, so there's about 3000 chiropractors in the UK right now. Um, Chiropractic here is probably a little bit more spinal oriented than in the, in the U.S. Um, and, you know, they have the same battles with, uh, you know, the different types, you know, straight and mixer chiropractors and things like that, that, that okay. we have, uh, yeah. that we had in the United States. Um, we're still going through some of the same things. Um, chiropractic in some areas have been, has been picked up by the NHS, uh, the National Healthcare System. And, uh, and it works very similar to, you know, like, um, you know, you have to get a patient will go see their GP, their GP will recommend chiropractic and then you're, uh, and then they'll, you have to get registered with that particular, uh, uh primary care group, so to speak. And, uh, unfortunately in my area, um, uh, chiropractic's not commissioned, so everything uh, is, is done privately. So patients have to you know, seek out a private practitioner and they, they can't have direct access to that private practitioner. So, um, so we work just you know, mainly on, uh, you know, typically to a very similar to a cash office within the United States. Um, the, the, the probably there is a few cultural things uh, with, uh, you know, working in the UK versus the U S and the U S a lot of people, uh, uh, they're used to chiropractors giving really long treatment plans here, not as much. Um, oh. So you have a short period of time where you need to see results with that patient uh, in order to get them to buy into your treatment um, okay. and then get them to continue on with that. Um, is, because that more, is that more of the, um, the patient deciding like, hey, I don't want to be there this long? Or is it more of just kind of, you had said more of a cultural cultural thing it's just what's expected yeah it's more there's more expected of a private practitioner in terms of they want to see results they're paying out of their pockets so they want to see results quickly right. which had had you know uh helped me change a little bit as a practitioner in terms of you know not necessarily having a patient see results quicker but communication has has to be really you know on par with them um, you have to really um, evaluate them well and be able to evaluate when they are seeing progress um, and communicate that to them and have clear goals with the patient uh, 
as well, which you should anyway. But Absolutely. there's just a little more pressure on you to see results in a quicker amount of time. Um, but, um, you know, conditions still resolve in the same way. Um, yeah. I, how I practice now is different in the U.S. where we had, um, you know, I worked in high, high volume practices where you, you know, didn't have much time with patients. Now I spend about half an hour with the patient, uh, 30 to 45 minutes in, in a treatment. Uh, and I can do a number of things. Um, the one thing that they don't do that much here is, uh, they don't use modalities that much. So you don't see a lot of electrical stim, you don't see the ultrasound and, and things like that. Um, it's more manipulation. I do, uh, uh, you know, soft tissue work, instrument assisted massage, uh, you know, taping, uh, and then, you know, move them uh, as well. Um, and I, I utilize uh, uh, cupping rock pods as well, uh, uh, you know, just, you know, depending on, you know, what the treatment I feel requires. Uh, sure. Pretty much. So I, I, this might even be an obvious question because everything you're saying sounds great to me because it sounds a lot like how I choose to practice. Um, do you miss practicing in the United States or do you kind of like the way that you're practicing? Uh, in the UK I, I like the way I practice now. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing, I think my quality of life is better in terms of I'm not spending as much time on uh, the administration side of practice in terms yeah, of great. writing reports for insurance companies. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I still have to write you know letters to GPs and, and uh, consultants when I need to refer the patient out and things. Sure. Um, I um, my days are are a lot simpler. Um, you know, I see my last patient at uh, you know six thirty. I'm done at seven o'clock, and then I can you know. It takes me ten minutes to get home. <laughs> Where in the United States, I uh, go. I was practicing in Naperville, and uh, I lived in Glendale Heights, and it took me forty-five minutes, you know, to get home on you know some nights, you know. So uh, that is so funny that you say that. That is so funny that you say that because that's the area that I live in. I don't know if we've ever talked about that. Like when I tell people where I'm from, I'm from a town called Warrenville, and you know it. Our listeners, yeah, Warrenville. No, yeah. Most yep. most people ask like, oh, I'm from Chicago. If they if they press a little bit harder because they know the Chicago land area, I say everybody kind of knows Naperville. Like that's the big area. So I know exactly how long it takes for you to get at the, yeah, at, yeah. At the rush hour from Naperville to Glendale Heights. So anybody who's at the Chicago land listening to this understands. Those of you who don't understand what we're talking about, I apologize. We'll get back to it. But that's pretty fun <laughs> to just kind of see, you know how your practice has changed and it almost was, I don't want to use the word force, but like you had to kind of change with the culture and you had to change with the different country too. And it's nice to see kind of for the better. Uh, so it's nice to see that, that you're able to kind of practice the way that you want to practice. Um, you've been, pra- how long were you practicing on your own before you were introduced to rock tape? I was, I was introduced to rock tape and, 2000 I actually ran a, uh and I think it was 2011 I was I saw rock tape at a British Chiropractic Association conference cool. and at the time I was using uh kinesio okay. um so I was originally trained in uh in, in kinesio tape um by uh, Dr. Parrish and DeBono uh for <laughs> national yep yep and uh I know them yeah. um but around I think around like 2012 or so, I noticed that the quality was changing in the product. 
and patients were coming back and the tape had fallen off, mm. which made me, you know, uh, I, I was quite loyal to Kinesio tape. And uh, then the first thing when I moved to the UK, which was right in the middle of 2008 Olympics, um, mm. was uh, try to find a supplier for Kinesio tape, which uh, at the time there was only one place that sold Kinesio tape and it was so new here. Um, so um, not many people knew about it. But the Olympics sort of started people asking about that. Um, and then, yeah, I noticed the, the quality changing. So then I started looking out for some other brands. Um, I, I used uh, K-Active, which was out of Germany. And it's actually a very good tape. And it was, I think it was the original manufacturer of uh, Ninodenko, uh, manufactured K-Active. Um, but it was quite expensive to get in, uh, in the UK. Um, was with a company called... Sport tape that had started here, which was a, was a, a very good tape. Um, but then I um, ended up looking into rock tape, uh, and uh, and one of the reasons why I was looked at rock tape was uh, prior to that I was experimenting with with taping and anatomy trains, and I yeah. really thought I was onto something, and I thought I was going to win the Nobel Prize for taping. <laughs> and then I was doing some uh, you know search on the internet, and then I found out that Capo was uh, already. Uh, teaching that so um, that sort of had me uh, buy into that a little bit and I ended up getting in touch with Rock Tape UK here Uh, I remember talking to Simon on the phone um, and he was you know telling me about Rock Tape and he sent me a roll of tape tried it out my patients liked it so I started buying it and then um, just you know got it uh, was using Rock Tape and um, I noticed that the front year was about 2014, I think, they were advertising for an instructor. And I decided I had never thought that I would be a, uh, any type of teacher. I, I enjoyed practicing. I didn't want to do anything else. Um, and then um, I saw that they were looking for an instructor and I decided to apply. Um, and I was actually unsuccessful uh, 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 they didn't hire me. Uh, not sure exactly why. Uh, maybe Paul knows. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but they but they asked me to to stay involved. Uh, so to you know help do events. So they were starting to get involved in you know doing some CrossFit uh, competitions, things like that. Uh, doing conferences, uh, doing little CPD sessions, uh, short uh, in services uh, for you know different practitioners around the country. Um, so I started, uh, you know, traveled around the country doing that. And I, I think they just ended up hiring me because I wouldn't go away. Um, so slow. <laughs> persistence. Yeah, persistence. Uh, eventually, uh, yeah, Paul and uh, Dan ended up hiring me. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, Paul, uh, Paul always, he actually didn't necessarily think I was a chiropractor because I wasn't a typical chiropractor here. Uh, <laughs> he's encountered i'm sure paul's told you about his uh, thoughts on chiropractors he thinks we're weird uh, we've had discussions but, yes <laughs> <laughs> but he ended up um yeah he ended up uh hiring me and I, I taught my first course in 2014 to a bunch of physios from um the ministry of defense which is you know includes wow. uh, the marines and army and things like that i taught that with dan um, Very cool. and that was, that was my first course uh uh, it was F- FMT one and two was the, were the first courses uh, or basic and advanced as they're, they're called in the U S um, 
but yeah, and I've been teaching with them ever since. So I'm going uh, be five years in September, I think. Yeah, just kind of like me. That's just uh, about when I came on board as well, too. So you actually made a really good point there. Something to point out to the listeners is the uh, the brand is we try to keep everything as consistent as possible across the globe, but there are different discrepancies depending on you know the governing bodies for CEUs and stuff like that as well, too. So you guys call it F. From T1 and 2, we call it basic performance for our tape. So in the United States, and, and confirm this for us uh, also, Robert, is, is we have our taping courses, we have our blades courses, and then we have pods and floss, and then we have the new movement screen coming out, but that we can talk about that another time. Are yeah. you guys doing the exact same stuff, or do you have little discrepancies? Like, are you teaching everything the same way? Yeah, we're, we're, we're generally doing the same things. Um, so we have FMT1 and 2, uh, so which are taping course. So when I started with them, um, those were the first courses that I, that I took as a student, uh, sat totally down. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's what we did until what about, was it three years ago that blades came on 15 or 16, uh, I think. Yeah. 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 So, and then I started, I taught the first blades course with, uh, with Paul in London. Um, and then I, I also teach pods as well. I don't, I haven't taught floss yet. Um, okay. uh, I'll, yeah, Ollie was just over. He did the first floss course last uh, December, uh, but I haven't taught uh, uh, floss yet. I do use floss with my patients. Uh, yeah. I use probably mostly floss with my patients in terms of having you know I'll uh, you know give them a roll and have them do it you know you know as a warm up, show them how sure. to apply it and things like yeah. that. Um, and in the treatments, I typically you will use uh, I, I use blades a lot. Um, I'll I'll use use the rock pots. Uh, of course, as a chiropractor, I'm going to adjust. Um, but the, the biggest thing is I'm going to move them at the end uh, in, in some way. Um, I'm yeah. also, one of the big things I use as rehab is I use uh, stick mobility. Um, nice. I'm one of the UK stick mobility instructors. So I use, Very I cool. found stick, uh, the stick mobility sticks as a great uh, rehab tool and a good external cue. And uh, mm-hmm. I've gotten good results with my uh, patients with that i'm a big fan of that that's a really cool tool i really enjoy that yeah um real quick just to kind of clarify i'm kind of fascinated by this so i'm sorry listeners if you're not but uh we teach pods and floss always scheduled in the same weekend so it's interesting to me that you said you've taught floss uh taught pods but not taught floss so do you guys do kind of similar stuff or do you keep these classes uh, fairly separate from one another we, um, we, we do offer the taping, you know, one and two usually in the weekend. Uh, mm. Sometimes we'll switch things up where we'll have one day we'll be taping and the next day we'll be blades. Or, oh, we, cool. might have, or we might have blades and pods in the same weekend. Um, this yeah. weekend I'm teaching uh, rock pods um, and it's just rock pods that day. So, so okay. it really varies with, with, with the venue uh, what's required, uh, or what the, um, our attendees, uh, um, you know, want. Um, but our diary, uh, is quite full with courses every weekend. We have, you know, probably two, three, uh, courses going on in different areas of the country. Of course, the UK is much smaller. Uh, uh, my, it's about the size of a very large state more or less. So yeah. we don't have as, it's, it's not as, as vast as, as, as the U S. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, sometimes travel across the country, but I can drive across the country in, uh, <laughs> uh, in five hours. Where, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, in the U S it'll take about, you know, 
a few days. Uh, yeah. So That's um, I'm pretty much. Yeah, 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 pretty, pretty much, that's, yeah. I mean, actually, um, it's not even to Cleveland. So for anybody kind of looking for a gauge, like that's Chicago to Cleveland is six and a half hours or so because I've done that trip before. So think about that. You know, if I have to go to California, driving's not an option. So, yeah, you guys have the ability to go all over the place. For- yeah, and then the nice thing is, too, is, is Europe's quite close as well. So I had the opportunity to uh, – I think I taught the first first uh, taping courses in Portugal, which oh, cool. was uh, – uh, which was quite fun. So I got to teach in Portugal. Uh, last, uh, was in March, I taught the first Blades course in Ireland, in Dublin, uh, which was uh, very fun, um, nice. especially uh, uh, the evening after. Um, so I found out what a good pint of Guinness tastes like. <laughs> a and, good uh, one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, and, you know, then I've, I've worked with, uh, with Rock Tape uh, running athlete services uh, for four years at uh, CrossFit uh, regionals in yeah, Europe. So yeah, we had two, year, two years in Copenhagen and two years in Madrid. Um, so okay. that, that was a really cool experience. Let's talk about that a little bit because you not only treat CrossFit athletes, but you compete as well too, right? Yeah, I, uh, I'm, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a, I would say I'm slightly above average CrossFitter, uh, but I compete. I, I compete in uh, masters competitions uh, in the UK, um, and I did my first one in uh, uh, sort of an elite CrossFit competition in Amsterdam in uh, uh, January. Um, oh, cool! And yeah, I've been doing cross. Actually, uh, Rock Tape's probably partially responsible for me getting into CrossFit um, because really? my first conversation was with Simon was you should get, you should get into CrossFit. We're involved in CrossFit. They're always getting hurt. Uh, so yeah, so he <laughs> steered me into something that would probably get hurt. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I've been doing CrossFit for the last six years. Um, and, uh, and competing, I do a couple comp- you know, a few competitions a year. Um, yeah, yeah I just enjoy doing it. It's my sort of, uh, you know, get my, uh, get my energy out and yeah, enjoy doing it. Cool. I don't know if Simon necessarily meant uh, competing in it, did he? He probably meant just treating. Yeah. Well, yeah. He wanted me to treat, you know, treat the athletes and everything. And uh, you couldn't um, stay away. Though. But um, yeah, I, I, yeah. And then I, yeah, I started doing it. And I loved it. Um, I've been involved in uh, weight training probably for the last thirty years. I was a uh, competitive bodybuilder for a number of years uh, in the U.S. Oh. and. Uh, Got a little bored with that, you know, going through the motions, going to the gym um, and uh, stumbled upon CrossFit. And it sort of re- reignited my interest in, uh, um, in fitness. And it, uh, I'm probably in about the best shape of my life right now in terms of overall, you know, uh, as far as cardiovascular strength and, and, yeah. and the whole bit. So, uh, well, yeah. yeah. If anybody's seen any pictures on social media uh, of Robert, though, too, you know, he's jacked to the gills. So. He is gym motivation <laughs> for just about anybody else, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I think Ethan wants my biceps, apparently. <laughs> it's funny because you, you're you one of those people, like one of our guests on the show, uh, Marcus Philly, uh, he's known for, for doing a lot of his videos with, with no shirt on. And uh, Ethan, you can fall into that category too. Ethan just doesn't like wearing a shirt, period. So, you know, he can too, by the way. I'm not making Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you guys should have a pose off next time we all get everybody together from. Uh, all For some reason in Prague, though, at the instructor summit, he didn't take his shirt off, though. 
it's probably more of a setting when he wants to do that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was a little bit colder than he's used to because he's a California guy. So, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested to know. You know, you have kind of firsthand experience working with those athletes, but also being one of those athletes. What are some tools that you really use a lot with your athletes, with yourself? Um, in the the rock tape toolbox that really have helped you with your practice and with getting ready for your own competition? Uh, probably the, the biggest thing I've used is, is rock plates um, themselves, finish and misses and massage. Um, I had some, I had a good amount of exposure with, with, with tools in the U.S., but what didn't sit with me that well was the theory behind it. Um, okay. when, I, when, I, when I use a tool in practice, I want to be able to uh, explain it to my patients well and to uh, the rationale I have to I, I have to feel that that rationale holds water and if it doesn't if I don't feel I can explain it to my patients in a credible but simple way I won't use that tool okay uh, so um, once the last few years I've and and, and it's probably rock blades that did this is uh, moving away from mechanical deformation of tissue, which never sat well uh, with me. There's yeah. just something wasn't I didn't feel was correct about it, um, and the use of touch in order to uh, get a patient to feel better, mm-hmm. and realizing that you didn't need to. Um, ex- best way I could explain it is beat the shit out of your patient. Um, <laughs> you didn't have to do that in order to get them better. Uh, and that pretty much just changed my beliefs and changed my, um, you know, rationale for practicing that a patient didn't need to come into the office and feel like they were, they were beat up afterwards. Yeah. I wanted them to, I want them to leave my treatment room feeling moving better. And, uh, the use of, uh, 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 rock blades uh, and the rationale behind that and what has been put into our education just changed uh, you know how I practiced uh, you know with, with my patients you know it really did that for me too and I hear that story quite a bit and it's nice to hear that because I think that is our aim is really changing the paradigm um, and it's so cool to see that too and, and I really want to ask you about your CrossFit athletes specifically because it's it's an older train of thought. Luckily, we've moved away from that as CrossFit has become more widely accepted and appreciated. But, you know, back in its infancy, a lot of times it was vilified for the intensity and people getting hurt. And you still have a lot of crossover and carryover where a lot of athletes, especially uh, in that realm, they like, oh, yeah, you got to beat the crap out of me during treatments. You know, how accepting are athletes like that, high-intensity athletes in general, of that lighter approach, that touch over pain approach when you're doing treatment? I think the most, it, it is, it's actually is very difficult to get them to buy into that. Um, one of the problems with, I don't want to say a problem, but, but you're exactly correct in terms of CrossFit athletes thinking that they need to get beat, they beat themselves up with their, their, uh, training that mm-hmm. they need to beat themselves up with treatment. Sure. When actually, I feel that patient or CrossFit athletes need to do exactly the opposite. So we're always they're so upregulated and they're under so much CNS stress 
they don't need that extra CNS stress, you know, with their treatment. A lot of CrossFit athletes, you know, they might, you know, some of the uh, um, more elite ones are, you know, training five to six hours a day. They need some time where they're going to shut down. And through the treatment, I try to, you know, explain to them that you need to, uh, you need to flip that switch and go, go, go the other way. And it is a misconception that with the treatment, because they're an elite athlete, that they need to also beat up, you know, get beat up or you have to go deeper and things like that. I mean, CrossFit, uh, the, the one thing that CrossFit changed for myself is I may, I realized that um, people, the humans aren't fragile. Um, they're able to, you know, train or compete at a very, at a very high level. Um, but at the same time, because they're not fragile, it made me think, well, maybe we're not deforming tissue. Maybe these tissues are a lot tougher than, than, uh, than you think it is, as you think they are. Um, and, um, yeah, so you need to, you know, maybe, you know, we're not deforming the tissue. We're not breaking up scar tissue. We're, we're not breaking up adhesions. There, there's something else to that and, that, and that's a neurological component and yeah. the use of clutch yeah. in order to uh, improve tactile acuity and uh, help somebody move better, but then, you know, more importantly, feel better and experience less pain. Yeah. And that's a really good point too, yeah. with just athletes really across the board, too. they're so into their intense training and rightfully so, but yeah, they do need that time to kind of shut down a little bit. So, you know, how do you integrate a lot of the tools in the rock tape toolbox to really help your athletes with providing that sensory information and get them to move better? Because one of the questions we get asked all the time within our seminars is, you know, I'm not quite sure how to implement this. And you could speak as a chiropractor, but anybody listening could kind of understand there are different ways depending on how you practice to implement a lot of the different tools so um, you talked about blades how do you also use tape or the pods to really start to get an athlete who needs that input to show the benefits that they really need uh, after your assessments so um, with uh, the blades or you know of course uh, with any of my patients, I am going to, uh, you know, perform a, you know, history and exam like, like you would, uh, you know, with any patient, um, you know, neurological orthopedic, uh, uh, exam. Um, I'm going to, you know, usually typically do some type of movement screen that that's, um, uh, important to them in terms of, you know, if, if it hurts when they squat, I'm going to have them squat. Um, if they, uh, if they hurt uh, when they snatch, I might watch them snatch. I mean, I, I have quite an advantage where my clinic is inside across the gym, so I could easily go out on the floor and you know, um, you know, grab my uh, my phone and video them, you know, snatching, squatting, overhead squatting, you know, what have you, deadlifting. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I'm I, I observe them, you know, um, you know, when they're in class. Um, so that I, you know, I know what they're doing. I generally know how many times a week they're in training, et cetera. Um, then, you know, when I sit them down, I, I explain to, to them the you know, different tools I'm going to use and, and why I use them. And so with the blades, I pretty much tell them what I'm doing is, is, is providing sensory input. Um, I'm using, 
I'm just, this tool is just going to, uh, I'm going, I usually grab their arm and, and show that, you know, this is what it feels like. And it's just, I'm going to, uh, you know, work relatively lightly than you used to. I said, I usually say it looks scary, but it really isn't. Um, uh, the English people like to say it looks like a knuckle duster or like <laughs> brass knuckles. So they get, get a little turned off by that at first. Knuckle um, and duster. then I say, I uh, yeah. So yeah, if you watch a British mob movie, you'll probably, you know, see, see that in there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, that, then I usually, you know, start with, uh, you know, uh, you know, a little light scan and a little bit light feather to you know decide which areas to work in and so on and also to give give the patient uh, uh, a feeling of what it's going to be like uh, and then um, I'll always after I use the tools or at the end of treatment I'm always going to you know do another screen um, and show that I've seen improvement and one of the biggest questions I ask them at the end uh, like I had a patient that I used the blades on for the first time today and I, I said do you think that I changed in, in that those three, four minutes that I use the blades on you, you, do you think your tissues have changed? And the answer most of the time is, is no. Um, and, uh, and then I'll explain to him what I, I've done is I put some, sen- I uh, use sensory input. I use just some light touch in order for your brain to feel the area a little bit more. When the brain feels the area more, then it's going to uh, um, feel safe. And it's going to uh, allow you to move uh, a little bit further. Um, and um, they, they seem to buy that. Um, when, you know, similarly to the pods, pods are just a, another neurological stimulus. It, uh, it's a little bit different because it provides decompression. Uh, but I'm going to use the, the pods and I'm going to move the patient with, with, with the pods. I'm going to have them uh, move through meaningful movement. Um, you know, whatever their problem is. And then uh, the tape is just going to be a continuation of that. Um, a manipulation as a chiropractor is going to be another neurological stimulus that is going to help the, the nervous system feel safe. And yeah. uh, uh, and so you can can move better with, with, with less pain. And then, but then the most important thing, the most powerful tool is is moving and, and moving well. So that's where, where the re- rehab uh, comes in. Um, one of the things as a chiropractor that uh, I've always heard chiropractors say, or patient asks them, "Oh, well, can I can I exercise or can I run after the treatment or or what or so on?" And a chiropractor will say, "Oh, no, you you know you're gonna you know mess up that adjustment or or so on. You need to rest." But after treatment, it's the best time to move, in my opinion, because everything yeah. is uh, is turned on, so to speak. And uh, that's just going to reinforce the, the neurological change that hopefully recreated with, you know, whatever treatment we're doing. Great point, too. Yeah, I mean, that inputs and getting someone moving. I, I hear that a lot, too, is, you know, oh, it almost like we treat patients very delicately, especially after treatment when we're supposed to, supposedly getting them better to tell them to not do something. It's not challenging the treatment that you're providing to them as well. So excellent point there in any given session, are you using all these tools or are you may, are you basing that depending on what your assessment is showing you? Um, or are these, is this kind of a go-to thing for you with everything? Yeah, I won't necessarily use 
all the tools in one session. I may, uh, I do a little bit of dry needling. I may do some dry needling. Um, cool. and, uh, I, I'll use, uh, I, I find dry needling just sort of turns down the volume on things a little bit, makes them a little mm-hmm. bit more comfortable. Um, then I'll, I'll use the tools, uh, and then manipulate and then move. Or sometimes uh, I won't spend as much time on the tools and I'll use, uh, you know, throw in some, uh, uh rock pots, um, if I feel that it would benefit them. Um, but I just want to provide, I don't want to say there's like an exact system. I, uh, I just want to provide different like neurological stimuli. Um, if something, um, if I feel something's not working, I'm going to try a different stimulus. Um, one of my clinicians at national told me that you don't want to use too many things at once because then you don't know what's working. Um, so you don't, uh, so you don't, I don't, I feel that you don't need to you know, throw everything at them at once. And if you have somebody who's in acute pain, you don't want to give them too much stimulus or yeah. too much stimuli because, you know, it's just going to overload, um, you know, that, uh, that nerve system, uh, too much and they're not going to feel safe and they're going to, you know, feel, you know, worse. And I don't want them to feel worse when they leave office. So I might just do some light feathering and maybe some manipulation in the first visit or, you know, and it really depends uh, uh, on on the case, um, really. But I just uh, like a typical visit would be about thirty minutes. So I might uh, might spend you know no more than five minutes with the blades. We'll do some manipulation, um, and then uh, I always tape my patients. Uh, you know, before we do rehab, um, and you know when I explain the tape, it's, I say this is just going to be a continuation of of a sensory stimulus um, and yeah. it's uh, the, you know, the stimulus from the tape on the skin is just going to uh, create a little bit longer lasting uh, stimulus and carry on, you know, what we did in, and uh, when I was treating them. Yeah. And that's a really good point too, that everybody needs to listen to. You don't have to use everything you have these tools in your toolbox and and I love uh, what you said there is you have to make it dependent on the individual in front of you. They might be overly sensitive. So if you throw too much at them, you might light them up too much. Um, If something works, stick with it. You don't necessarily have to keep going. You know, even therapy is a lot like other things. It's just because it works doesn't mean you need more as well too. So, uh, you know, the question we get all the time is, you know, implementing the different tools, but you're adding more tools to your toolbox. And if you understand these concepts, you really can get to the idea of, okay, well, this is good for what I need to do right now. Let's try that. If it works or it doesn't work, then you can move on from there too. But really the cool thing to see, you know, how you use tape as well. And people ask a lot of times, like, where do you input, where do you put tape into it? You know, one of the things I really want to ask you is as a chiropractor, because I get this question all the time as a chiropractor myself, when do you manipulate and when do you use these tools? And I have my answer, but I'd love to hear yours. Uh, I, I will typically do the, I'll use the tools, you know, whatever they may be. Um, and then I'll, I'll adjust them um, after mm-hmm. that. Um, and then I'll, I'll tape them and then, and then we do the rehab. Okay. Um, so the, the tape or the, uh, um, yeah, the manipulations, one of my last sort of hands-on, you know, treatments that I do. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if I had put much 
thought into that's just how it's evolved really i don't yeah. know if i really like put that much thought and is it more effective to uh you know adjust first and then use the tools i don't know i just haven't tried it but i do find that with the tools it does you know again turn that volume down a little bit and, sure. um, and sometimes i feel the manipulation goes better yeah um especially in you know the patient um so um, yeah, so I, it's usually yeah before I tape them and before I you know put put them through exercise. Yeah, that's my thought process too. And I, I try to the answer to everything is it depends, right? But I try not to just give that as an answer to everybody. But you know, a lot of times, just as you said, you have to loosen someone up because their setup for that manipulation might be very uncomfortable. So that's a situation where maybe blades first, maybe soft tissue first, and then manipulate. You know, you could argue, too, that the manipulation has a lot of power to the proprioceptive input. You could try that at first. It really does depend on the individual in front of you, too. So, you know, go ahead and, you know, build a system, build a flow and kind of stick with that. But make sure you can kind of veer away from that. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I mean, uh, it's um, yeah, every every patient's a little bit different. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there, there's no I don't think there's any uh like we always say there's no right way to tape there's probably no right way to treat so to speak uh um but i do feel in terms of i'm quite excited where manual therapy is going Mm -hmm. uh, because every it seems to be moving you know away from that tissue deformation model and more for providing the, the the sensory input uh the last couple of years i've really been you know you know, into the whole explain pain and uh, Mosley and Butler and everything. And that's just sort of like, you know, changed, uh, changed, uh, you know, my world as, as well. And it's just, it's not necessarily about, yeah, you know, people aren't fragile, but yeah. unfortunately a lot of our patients feel fragile. Um, <laughs> yeah. I got asked a question at a conference a couple of years ago, and I, I, at the time, I couldn't answer them. And I said, I don't know. And they asked me, if you put tape on somebody, let's say somebody's a chronic pain patient that might be, have fibromyalgia or whatever, um, if you put tape on them, does that make them uh, think about their pain more? And, hmm. uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, create that chronic pain uh, or add to that chronic pain cycle? Um, at the time, I didn't I didn't know the answer, but I feel that actually that a lot of people who have issues with chronic pain they feel things less, and yeah. the reason why uh, a large reason why they're in pain is because they don't have that that tactile acuity. They don't have that proprioceptive input. They probably don't move that well. Yeah. Um, so over time, the the brain feels move, movements painful. And movement's scary. Uh, And the tape actually helps them feel a little bit more and actually can help, uh, you know, that that chronic pain patient. Um, And that question actually just sort of, you know, set me on this trail of sort of finding that answer. And uh, right now, probably in practice, I'm, uh, I'm probably not sure of a lot of things that I've learned over the years. Uh, and I'm sort of on this, uh, you know, sort of journey, you know, to, to, to find out, yeah. um, you know, I practice a lot differently than when I, when I first started, you know, when I, when I left national, 
I think National gave me the tools to at least question these things, but they uh, nationally equipped me with the scientific knowledge to, uh, you know, find these answers out uh, yeah. over the years. It's nice to see the evolution of practices and, and just the horizon that's ahead of us and the cool stuff that, you know, is coming because we're so fascinated with what's going on right now. Imagine what will happen, you know, in five or 10 years when we, when we start to learn more and more about the human body. Pretty cool stuff. I mean, what, so, one of the big, uh, to, to, when I'm teaching and, um, you know, you, you had alluded to uh, how does somebody integrate in the practice? Who, um, I talked a little bit about how I, I did it as a chiropractor. Um, mm-hmm. But when I'm teaching blades, it's always uh, quite fascinating to see people's response to uh, how we teach blades. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people go into the rock blades course thinking that we're going to talk about you know, breaking up adhesions and scar tissue and things like that. A lot of, we, we get a lot of massage therapists on our course. So they're, you know, they normally, you know, do the 45 minute, 60 minute deep tissue massage. So their rationale is, you know, breaking up adhesions and scar tissue and, and things of that nature. Um, in the beginning, I used to um, try to, I had a soft approach when, when talking about our, um, our philosophy on this. Um, and now I just, you know, go right in that, you know, we're going to change, you know, how you think about, uh, your, your clients or patients. Um, and maybe you don't need to hammer your own body as a practitioner in, in, in treating, treating the patients. Um, and, uh, they're usually sometimes a little standoffish at first and they don't, uh, you know, they can't see, telling their clients, well, I'm not going to do a 60 minute massage. I'm going to do, you know, 10, 15 minutes, you know, doing, uh, using rock blades. Um, and then the win is, is you, you have more time where you can move, move the patient and it's going to benefit them more. But I think the biggest thing is, is using the tools will save your body. Uh, when I was at national, we had a lot of, uh, uh, professors who, uh, their bodies were beat up for you know practicing years as a chiropractor, yeah. um, and uh, one of the f- first things they taught us is protect your body first. Uh, so when you're adjusting somebody or treating somebody, you have to put yourself in a good position because you're going to use your body for you know many years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they usually buy into that aspect because a lot of them have been massaging for years and they have sore elbows and shoulders and, and wrists and things like that. And yep. you know you can't on forever just you know beating the hell out of your body you gave two great examples there i know too many chiropractors with terrible shoulders because of just all the sideline manipulations and you know i can't imagine what their bodies would be like if they had a, a way to kind of work smarter not harder that kind of principle and then massage therapists as well you know the amount of time they spend with their patient the body positioning is so so important so that's another really important aspect of these tools that does help you kind of save your body over the years as well. Really good point. So uh, I just wanted to ask you, you know, being in UK, uh, for any of our UK listeners or any European listeners as well too, um, where can someone kind of look up where uh, the Rock Tape courses are going to be held and, you know, if they ever wanted to, to go take one? Yeah, the Rock Tape website is uh, rocktape.co.uk. Uh, um, and just click on education and we have all our courses from uh, taping 
to rock pots uh, as, as as well as blades, floss, uh, and and so on, um, mm-hmm. and of of course our, our products. Uh, uh, so if you want to buy taper uh, blades, pods, floss, uh, uh, and so on, and of course our protective gear. Um, you know, I'm known for having uh, you know uh, the assassin's knee sleeves and elbow sleeves and wrist. Uh, I, I pretty much have have the whole kit. Uh, the belt is lovely. Uh, the, yeah. the the new belt is is, is quite cool. Um, so you get all the products there. Um, and I will be next time I'm teaching is this weekend in Manchester. Um, oh, cool. I am teaching rock pop on Saturday. Uh, I believe that's the fourteenth. I believe no fifteenth. Um, and yes. yeah, I'll yeah. be te- teaching rock cloth with pants, which is a. Uh, I really enjoyed teaching that course. I think the content was really cool. And it's a little bit yeah. less of a messy course because you know, <laughs> it's just putting some pods on. The cups, yeah. I don't have much tape to clean up afterwards and all that. <laughs> you feel bad for the host sometimes when you leave all that mess with the tape. Yeah, yeah. All those little like little pieces of tape around. And uh, I was just there two weeks, same, same venue two weeks ago. And I think I left it uh, quite messy, unfortunately. Just uh, a lot of tape. Um, <laughs> well if anybody wanted to get a hold of you where could someone find you um on the web or on social media um you can find me on instagram at rock doc rob r-o-c-k-d-o-c rob and my website for my practice is uh, gainrecovery.co.uk where is your practice in in uk my practice is in Norwich, uh, ah. which is uh, on the uh, eastern end of the country. We're not too far from the North Sea. And um, it's inside uh, Gain Fitness, which is uh, one of the largest CrossFit gyms uh, in the United Kingdom. Oh, very um, cool. And, uh, yeah, that's where I practice. That's where I train. And I do a little coaching there uh, uh, as well. Awesome. So if anybody wants to take a course with Rob, it's uh, rocktape.co.uk. Uh, look at some of those courses that is on online. Uh, Rob teaches everything. So make sure you sign up for a great course with him. Uh, go check him out on Instagram and check out Game Recovery. Uh, and uh, if you are in uh, Norwich, I, did I say it right? You said it right. Wow. Okay, good. I want to yeah, most sure. Americans would say Norwich, but <laughs> Norwich, you, know, you yeah. did a good job there. <laughs> <laughs> if you are in no, the very good. Norwich area and you are uh, looking for a CrossFit gym, go check out the CrossFit gym that Robert uh, works out of. Rob, thank you so much for uh, taking the time, man. That was a great conversation. Uh, and I love seeing just how everybody practices and some of the differences that we have across the world. So thank you so much for teaching us a lot. Cool. No problem. Thank you. All right. Take care. Take care. You too. Bye.